Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Welcome to the Greatest Generation, a Star Trek podcast by two guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm Adam Pranica. I'm Ben Harrison. Broadcasting live from Norfolk, Virginia, I think. <laughs> have you been uh, given instructions on how to pronounce the name of that city? Uh, I mean, I, I think the FCC uh, would... <laughs> frown on me pronouncing it the way I want to. I uh, I did a little bit of growing up outside of Norfolk. Uh, in, did you really? In Virginia Beach is where I uh, spent some time up until the fourth grade. My my family lived there. I thought you lived in California until the fourth grade. I don't know why I thought that. Well, I I was born in California and then almost immediately moved to Virginia Beach. Wow. And then uh, around the fourth grade, we moved to Seattle. Mm. Yeah, just crisscrossing these great United States. Yeah. Uh, and what I remember, though, from that time, very specifically, is Norfolk. Norfolk. Which sounds a little Boston-y, I feel like. Yeah, well, there's a Suffolk in Boston. I can't wait to see you explain this to a fucking Suffolk County jury, you fucking cocksucker. This is going to be fucking fun. Yeah, it sounds Suffolk-y. It sounds fucking Suffolk. Fucking Suffolk. And there's a Suffolk here. I just spent an entire day in Suffolk. What uh, are you doing in Suffolk? Well, I have an NDA, so I don't. Uh, I can't oh. reveal much, but I was, I was. You, you won't be able to reveal it until a, a future Jordan Jesse Go episode. <laughs> I was actually specifically admonished not to call this one into Jordan Jesse Go because the folks that hired me are fans of the show. Really? Oh, yeah. that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's great. Yeah, I got this call that it was like, hey, can you be in Virginia like the day after tomorrow? And I was like, um, maybe. <laughs> and I like, I don't know, it, it worked out that I could do it. And um, the lady I talked to who's a, a, a listener uh, to The Greatest Generation and also Jordan Jessica uh, said like, oh, I want you to talk to like the founder of the of the production company. Um, it's just very unusual for us to send somebody out on a job that he doesn't know personally. So, uh, he's, he just wants to talk to you and get to know you. And by the way, he loves dick jokes. So, uh, just feel free to pepper those into the conversation. <laughs> it's the first time I've ever been like sent into what is essentially a job interview and told, uh, lay the dick jokes on him. <laughs> This is actually, uh, without going into too much detail, a company that I believe has reached out to you for jobs in the past, and uh, you were, like, way too busy with your big-time production lifestyle. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad you could catch my leavings, Ben, because uh, <laughs> I, tell, I tell you what, it's far easier for you to go to Norfolk than me to go to Norfolk. Yeah. These waning days of it being easy for me to go to Norfolk. Uh, how much longer are you in Virginia? I'm just down here for uh, for two nights. It was a uh, fly down, wake up in the crack of dawn, shoot all day, uh, sleep one more night and fly back in the morning type of job. So Without breaking your NDA, successful shoot? You make I your mean, day? Yeah. I made my day. <laughs> it's one of those things where you like send the footage off and then you just have to like hope it seems good to the other people. You know? Oh man, so this is a white glove job. I love a white I glove think, job. I think uh I think it was I mean I was I was pleased with how I how it looked in the camera, but you know, I'm I'm sure you're familiar with this that sometimes you get something in camera and you think like god that's going to be great and then you get it into the edit and you're like damn it I suck. It often works out differently from what you expect in both directions. Like yeah. often something looks great in the camera and you get it up on a monitor and you're like eh but uh <laughs> you know 
in the other in the other way, like sometimes you'll you'll shoot something in the cam just for coverage, and it ends up being your favorite shot uh, in the edit. So, yeah, funny how that works. Well, Adam, uh, things work out very strangely in this in this episode we came here to review. Why don't we do that thing now? <laughs> That's one of the all time great pivots to show, Ben. I think <laughs> I think when uh, when. TNG wraps up for us and they do like the clip show where they they go over the highlights of our podcast. Who's they? You're just talking about you're making more work for us right now. No, I I think what I'm proposing is that someone else makes a podcast about our podcast. <laughs> and I don't think that should be us. Too much work. Yeah. Yeah. Too tired, Adam. I'm so tired. Uh, let's just um, uh, let's just Let's just go to sleep for between two and three weeks after our series finale, and then start over after that. Adam, I'm a I'm a tryhard only child. I can't I can't allow that. <laughs> All right, I want to talk about one of my favorite episodes of the series, Ben. It's season seven, episode nineteen, Genesis. This is becoming a speech. You're the captain, sir. You're entitled. Hmm. I'm entitled to ramble on about something everyone knows. Adam Riker fucked somebody in a cactus patch. Ben, I think my primary question in this open is there a separate like sex arboretum that only Riker <laughs> knows about? Because the only arboretum we've seen is like a koi pond and a couple of ferns. This is that thing we discussed in that episode that largely took place in the arboretum with the children. It's like when... When Keiko was on the ship, the Arboretum seemed like a bigger place. Yeah. And I and like, then everything that's my died. hunch is that Yeah. He was in he was in the desert portion of the Arboretum, uh, with the fetching new tactical officer, he says. <laughs> the other question I had is does does Six Bay not have any private examination rooms? Oh like, that's a great if I, call. Where's the where's the screen? If I was Riker, I wouldn't want to be in here in public for like, like Riker is the fucking first officer, and he's got to sit there getting, getting a sex wound treated while Barkley is in there telling everybody about what he found on WebMD. Well, here's the thing: if everyone in Six Bay was behind some partitioned screens, <laughs> you would fail to get the frenetic directoral pace that Gates McFadden is giving this scene. It is it is straight up like cold open in ER style. Like the ER is flooded with patients. Dr. Crusher is triaging everyone and the camera is just bounding from place to place. It's a really lively scene and it's very uh it's very cool that this is Gates McFadden's directoral debut and finale uh, on, <laughs> on this show. But like like you know, she's she takes kind of a back seat as a character uh, in this episode, but she she is front and center in the most complicated sequence of the ep. I mean, we've talked about cast members directing for the first time, and I think most in most cases they choose to have their characters not be fully present or present at all in the episode, and occasionally they won't be very flashy. But holy shit, Gates McFadden moving the camera around everywhere. A lot of foreground, background complexity. Like, a lot yeah. of strange and different compositions that we haven't seen before. Like, she definitely has an idea for most scenes. And she goes for it every time. I was blown away. Yeah, A-plus Gates McFadden. It's, and, it, and it feels really different. It feels like a fun new way to tell a Star Trek story. She does a thing fairly often in this episode where people move toward the camera and away from it in a way that I'm not used to seeing before. Most of the time, the camera moves with the people. Mm -hmm. And the screen is just positively filled with people, too. Like, there are some episodes, like the last episode, where it doesn't seem like anyone else is on the ship besides the senior staff. Yeah. But tons of extras throughout. It's like a Kurosawa scene. Like, the yeah. the way she composes the frame with people. It's crazy. Yeah. Uh, so there's a bunch of things going on in Six Bay. Riker 
got into a uh, a little roll in the hay, and the hay was a cactus. Uh, <laughs> Barkley, that, that hay fucks back. <laughs> Barkley's doing some real like hypochondriac shit, where he, you know, got some some bad information out of the computer about how he has Torellian death syndrome, which will go down in history as the dumbest Star Trek disease name of all time. <laughs> Is it? Of or related to the Torellians from season one, who had that ship that... Oh, were those Torellians? I think that's what that alien was called, Torellians. Wow. And uh, and they were quarantined. Like, is that, is the death syndrome what they had? They were quarantined for a disease that appeared to just make them kind of dewy. <laughs> <laughs> their, uh, their disease involves the midriff. Uh, yeah, uh... You know, Crusher's like, you don't have that, you have something else. Here's a little something for it. And uh, and Data walks in with Spot. I hate cats. Data's cat. Spot. I love cats. And Spot is fat with kittens. She's going to be a, a cat mama in the next few days. And then Nurse Ogawa admits that she is going to be a new mama herself in the next uh, few months. Things moved kind of fast with her and her boyfriend. (laughs) Yeah. When did they get together? Beginning of this season? I feel like it was only a few episodes ago she was like, I don't think he likes me anymore. He's working a lot. (laughs) Weird. Beverly is totally fucking pumped. Like, Beverly's more excited than Ogawa. Ogawa plays these things pretty close to the vest, I feel like. I think this is also the first episode where we see Troy holding down a shift on the bridge. Is that true? Yeah. Yeah. It's like season seven, like other episodes also happened. (laughs) (laughs) It's maybe the most self-aware season of all of them. Yeah. It's amazing. Well, anyways, um, this all goes down and uh, we push to title sequence when we come back the entrepreneur is pulling up to a field of asteroids and they are going to use these asteroids in the way that hillbillies use cans on picket fences uh for target (laughs) practice um and uh i guess the idea is that they've upgraded all of their weapon systems and Worf is like really he's really like you know chest out like i have enhanced the targeting system for increased accuracy. This is going to be a lot of fun, guys. And they start shooting, and uh, one, two, three torpedoes get let loose, and two of them connect, and one of them just kind of, like, veers off course and is off on a wild goose chase. And Picard's like, well, we got to get that thing back. We can't just let that thing fly around. And um, Picard and Data uh, are going to go on a road trip and hunt down this torpedo in a previa. Was that the torpedo that was filled with snakes? <laughs> I wouldn't have kept that. Where did the snakes go? <laughs> like are are they are they are these like scrubbing the scorch marks out of engineering? Did they have to um put the ship back together in that episode? Like a lot of it got turned into other things, right? Yeah. Like did, I think at the end of masks it all went away magically, but I but I don't know if like if a fire was in engineering, the fire goes away, but I don't think the scorch marks do. But do like does the does the terracotta totem that shows up in Troy's room <laughs> that's made out of matter from the rest of the ship does it go away and like that matter goes back to where it was? Because if so, I mean, those snakes, like, turned back into into war, warhead, right? <laughs> it's so clear that the canonical masks averse on this show, we, we're filled with questions about it. I mean, we could we could do an entire podcast episode about it. About the episode masks? Yeah, yeah. we probably could. Yeah, that's my thinking. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> So Worf is like is fucking pissed, and he goes down to ten forward. Um, I got I kind of got the sense that he was also pissed that 
Data left the ship and left spot in Lieutenant Barkley's hands. That used to be Worf's job, you know? I wouldn't trust Barkley with a goldfish. <laughs> I know. He's, like He seems like a terrible house sitter, a terrible pet sitter. Worf's not going to be psyched about looking after Spot, but he knows how to do it. I think uh, everyone's getting a turn with Spot is the thing. Yeah, you got to I mean like when we go out of town and we have to like leave our dog, we do try to rotate him through the the friends so nobody is getting disproportionately stuck with the with the duty uh you know, both literally and figuratively. Um, but uh <laughs> Worf is down in Six Bay and he's like he's having he's he's like stress eating. He's got he's just replicated everything and is eating all of it. And um, he's uh, he's sitting there, and Troy comes in, and she's like, "Hey, like, uh, thanks for waiting for me. Aren't we supposed to be on a date?" And they're just both acting super weird, Adam. Worf has replicated a bunch of those Disneyland turkey legs uh, with a side of octopus. Two great tastes that taste great together. Yeah, he's literally replicated all the things. It's real nasty. Yeah, he's he's a messy eater, for sure. And Troy sidles up to him, and, and she's, like, downing her thermos of water. I wonder if the environmental controls are set properly. And it's like, I cannot believe how thirsty I am right now. And also, I would like to eat caviar. <laughs> Do we have any of that caviar that we spread all over our turkey? <laughs> I'd like to get some of that. Yeah. And then she starts going to town on a cup of caviar, like with a spoon. Mm-hmm. Ben, is that how you eat caviar? Like just you just spoon it in? Uh, I think I'm I've, asking because I've never had it before. I, I've I've never had beluga caviar. I've had like cheap, plain old caviar. Yeah, I think you like you like put a little bit on a cracker. That's kind of a nice way to eat it. I don't know. I, uh, I feel like a beluga caviar may, maybe is too fancy to put on a cracker, but I, I wouldn't know. Troy I, foregoes the cracker, though. Yeah. <laughs> she's eating it like she's like she eats chocolate. She, a little gross. Like, gross in her own way is how she's eating. They're both eating grossly. <laughs> <laughs> and so, like, the the deal is the gang is in a bad way, and... They're, like, in- acting increasingly weird and, like, nobody is noticing it until, like, a bunch of shit, like, hits the six bay all at once. And it's, like, you know, some people think it's too hot. Other people think it's too cold. Worf is in there and he's got, like, new loaf on the side of his, on the side of his neck. And, uh, and Crusher's, like, what is this? And he opens his mouth and sprays venom all over her face. This whole scene is so disgusting. It's- the makeup work on the venom sack is awesome. It's so gross looking. It looks tender and painful. Yeah. I don't know how they did it, but That's- like this whole scene just makes me cringe. I saw an old man in the supermarket with one of those a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> did did he spray you in the face? No, I just made sure not to buy anything in the vegetable section that he had like gone through. It's really like testing out all the avocados and I was like, no avocados for me, thanks. Dr. Crusher goes down like the girl in the Canadian PSA talking about uh kitchen safety. I should have cleaned up the grease over there. It's it's one of the most terrifying images in the whole series i, w- I want to say like it's it's yeah. very upsetting like it it just comes out of left field and it is so freaky deaky how 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 she reacts to it there's a scene before this where they're having some issues in a in a jeffrey's tube that uh that Barkley and Jordy investigate and there's an aliens style acid hole in it. Yeah. And when you see Worf spray his acid in this scene, you put together that Worf I guess has been cruising around the ship <laughs> spitting acid at stuff. <laughs> like why why that, there in particular like, Worf? 
I guess this happens after he gets up out of bed. Like, he has a night terror, and he rips the stuffing out of his bed and makes, like, a stuffing nest on the floor. <laughs> He's not sleeping great. No. I guess I guess he sleeps so poorly, he, he gets up and and sprays acid around the ship. It's so weird that they have no security cameras in any Jeffries tubes, though. Yeah. When, why didn't they just watch a, the earlier part of the episode that showed Worf going on a little Jeffries tube sojourn to spray acid at things? Tell you what, man. You see an acid hole in a Jeffries tube? Really makes you think about what an alien's TNG crossover would be like. Fucking A. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun... It's also just, like, a lot of fun stuff for the different characters to do. Like, <laughs> I love that Riker gets dumber and dumber. Uh, <laughs> Barkley gets, like, more and more, like, manic because he's he's getting increasingly spidery. And, like, you know, there's a great, like, you know, Troy wanting to, to turn up the heat and humidity and Worf wanting to turn it down, which is a classic workplace <laughs> dispute, you know? There's a thing about Jonathan Frakes's face that like he can he can look so charismatic and great but if he just slacks his jaw a little bit and like stares off in the middle distance yeah, he, can he looks look the, so dumb. <laughs> he looks the dumbest. <laughs> <laughs> he's got so much intelligence range, you know? Yeah, he's got like four octaves of intelligence range. <laughs> <laughs> he's the Mariah Carey of intelligence. <laughs> There's a lot of like fine de- like for as uh, broad as some characters get to play this. There's also some like fine detail work. Like Ogawa acts very subtly primate like, like like in her little saunter walk out of the McLaughlin group. She's Issue in. one. Yeah. Like, Jordy is in a ton of scenes early on in this episode, and then he just disappears. Total bullshit, man. It's just bullshit. I wonder what he turns into. Yeah, I wondered if they just ran out of loaf budget because there is a lot of special loaf in this app. Yeah. Um, and I can't imagine it's cheap to redesign as many characters as they did. So, so uh, this is all like all going to shit, and uh, Picard and Data show back up in their in their shuttle and they're like they're like flying around they're like wow the entrepreneur is not where we expected to find it uh, oh but it's over here and it's like upside down it is a guiding principle of a dark leading base if you can't find it within yourself to stand up tell the truth you don't deserve to wear that uniform I really love this time jump the jump in time the jump in perspective yeah the listing enterprise looks so creepy the enterprise appears to be adrift it's something I wonder about all the time. Like, why are all ships, like, clearly observing the same vertical in the galaxy when th- that's oh, not a... I wish a... you hadn't said that, Ben. What? You're going to get, like, 400 emails now. What? Captain, we're receiving 285,000 hails. No, I, I don't know why either. I'm just saying that 400 people are going to email you with their theory. Well, their, their theories are ridiculous. They shouldn't be. Yeah. They shouldn't be doing that. But like, one of the reasons I think is that the ship looks so weird from a, a weird angle like this. Yeah, you know. Yeah, they're made to be looked at from a certain angle. I mean, I think that uh, the the film that we just toured had a had a lot of fun with with turning your your local vertical upside down when uh, Picard and Worf and Captain Redshirt walked across the bottom of the saucer section. But yeah, it it like makes no sense. It's it's only justifiable from a creative standpoint because we are right. we are used to having their BA right way up. Really cool scene here where they sort of like they tell the shuttle computer to match the telemetry of the listing enterprise and just sort of guide it in. You know, I'll just ram it in there like that. And they arrive in the shuttle bay and the shuttle bay is all dark and kicked. Things are looking like a haunted house in there. Yeah. Like they're on they're on reserve power. They're hearing animal noises. There's crap all over the floors. Yeah. Spider webs everywhere. It's uh 
it's a mess and um it's just kind of it's just kind of a mystery like they they have no information about what's going on and i think that's yeah. the scariest thing is is like they don't know if the ship got taken over or if somebody attacked them or if everybody was abducted but they know that there's a lot of animals around they agree to hoof it up to the bridge where they find <laughs> they find the guy at the helm just totally vivisected basically like looks as though he's been attacked by an animal he has died in about as gory a way as that is possible on syndicated television yeah like he looks like he's been attacked by a bear like you couldn't actually show this attack cuz there would be too much yeah. blood you can show the aftermath of it though like if Werner Herzog were listening to the attack in some sort of weird <laughs> captain's log, he would tell everyone that they must never listen to the tape. Oh, how would that sound, Adam? Truly, you must never listen to this. I don't have a Werner in my <laughs> in my repertoire, Ben. I think you do, but I don't. Oh, I have the world's shittiest Werner Herzog. Uh, <laughs> uh, just off the bridge, they hear a banging from the ready room that they go and investigate. And there is a Cro-Magnon Riker yeah. inside with <laughs> like, who has somehow become even more hairy. <laughs> He's giving them the finger before being uh, phaser blasted like twice by data at, when he tries to attack Picard on his couch. I've... Normally Picard's the one doing the, the attacking on his couch. <laughs> hey uh i feel like they really saved riker's butt here because if riker had gotten at that super deadly fish he would be dead uh that uh, that fish turned into a jellyfish though oh did it but maybe it's a very deadly jellyfish yeah livingston de-evolved also oh shit i didn't notice that like, like all the pets de-evolved too Jellyfish can be extremely deadly, though. Especially if it is a prehistoric jellyfish, I imagine. Yeah. So they go down to Six Bay, and I think that they have worked out basically what's going on by this point, which is that... They're each de-evolving into earlier forms of life on their home worlds. Everybody's DNA has, like, things in it that are not ex expressed genes, but are just kind of kind of like relics of earlier stages of evolution. And for some reason, all of this stuff is starting to get turned on for everybody on the ship. And they're starting to de-evolve into earlier creatures. And so Troy is turning into a frog woman. And Riker obviously is turned into Cro-Magnon. Nurse Ogawa is like a... Is like in on a bio bed as like a as like a cave woman all all covered with hair she's got kind of like a little bit of planet of the apes vibes going on this might be the most impressive makeup though who looks the best and who looks the worst do you think in the in the makeup department i might place spider barkley at the bottom oh really that really freaked and me then, out <laughs> It's totally freaky, but he he clearly looks prosthetic-y. Yeah. Worf looks terrifying. Worf, from the other side of Six Bay, starts banging on the door. Worf is uh, is very scary. He's got, like, armor plating. He's uh, He's got, like, the scariest exoskeleton. And, yeah. And Picard is kind of starting to lose it here. He's like... The effects of this of this virus that are causing everybody to de-evolve are impacting Picard. Data's like, sorry, bro, but you're also de-evolving, and you're probably going to end up like a hamster. <laughs> Picard is so sad to hear that he's going to turn into like a lemur or marmoset. Yeah. Like, ah, oh, what an in, what an indignity! <laughs> the indignity of all indignities is that. Yeah, there's nothing less captain-like than a pygmy marmoset. <laughs> But yeah, so they 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 realize that what Worf wants is to bang Frog Troy, and Frog Troy they 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 know this because he bit Troy on the face at some point, and that is like a Klingon 
bone-in ritual. And so they uh, they distill some sex pheromones from Troy and put it in a hypo spray. And the idea is that Picard is going to lead Monster Wharf away from Six Bay while Data works out how to treat this virus. So he like starts like spraying it in the hallways and is like, you know, trying to divert him to wharf down one one corridor and get on an elevator but uh but wharf finds him and it's like there's a great like you know just getting the elevator door closed in time suspense scene the amount of fear directed at wharf is like dinosaur like you like you can hear him stomping you can hear him roaring he is totally monstrous yeah and that guy had dino damage on the bridge like yeah. It's very Jurassic Parky, and they they sort of veil him in darkness too. He's never totally lit, and I think that really works in the favor of the fear. I wondered if this was the same or a similar costume to the one that we also don't really see that much of in the Darmok episode. Oh, that's interesting. Like, yeah, they do look similar. It's it's that kind of like there's like you know, nubs and horns and spikes everywhere. And uh, and they're kind of... Like some predator protrusions out of the face. Yeah. I don't know. It was a thought I had, but I don't I don't have any way of researching it. So we'll just... Yeah, uh possible. We'll just leave that there. <laughs> Maybe somebody else can tell us if we're right or wrong. Hey, try to bundle your corrections all in one email if you can. <laughs> like, uh, I think that'd be great. It'd really help us process those emails. I would say that the number one downside of having anybody care about this podcast is that anytime we get anything a little bit wrong, we don't hear about it once. We hear about it a dozen times. Yeah, that's certainly not something we're used to, Ben, in any part of our lives. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't, uh, doesn't sound like my marriage at all. My love is a I thought it was interesting that not only did Picard demonstrate the traits of, you know, like prey traits, right? The hyper-awareness, the fearfulness, Mm -hmm. but it almost felt like he wanted to be prey, right? Like he volunteered for the job to to distract Proto-Wharf and get him away from Six Base so Data could do the work. Did you think... What did you think about that? Because if he was true prey, it seems like he would be too scared to do anything. Yeah. Except hide. Well, I think that that's like he's in that transitional phase. He's like not totally yeah. given over to the Cro-Magnon Riker mindset, but is starting to slip toward that, which I think is yeah. a, is a cool like place for a character to be because it's kind of you get to like play the subtleties of that. So Picard leads him to the Jeffries tube that we saw early on in the episode, the one with the acid hole in it. Yeah. And totally like jumper cables the floor. Yeah, they took electrocutes him. <laughs> that bypass that Barkley and, and Jordy did was like just establishing that there would be a loose cable with electricity coming out <laughs> so that yeah. so that Worf could be zapped. This seems profoundly dangerous. Yeah, how does how does Picard know Worf isn't going to die? How does Picard know that the panel is like does not uh, conduct electricity? That's a metal panel, Adam. It should conduct electricity. It's a great scene. It's super exciting. Yeah, they just it doesn't work though. They just should have had like a yoga mat or something, not a not a panel. This goose chase allows Data the time to to finish the project of the retrovirus. The like idea behind it is they they found the kittens that Spot had in Data's quarters, but they find Spot, and Spot is an iguana with a cat collar. And so they're like, huh, maybe there's something in amniotic fluid that protects babies from this virus. And they discovered that Nurse Ogawa's baby is fine despite being in a cave woman. And so they, like, reverse engineer a retrovirus based on 
the amniotic fluid and so like data just like puts it in the air and it like gets pumped out into the ship and everybody goes back to normal and they like get to like kind of sum up the episode with like the fun science premise of it and then uh dr crusher lays it on barkley that he's gonna have a disease named after him how about barkley's protomorphosis syndrome and uh we get the we get the like laugh line to episode of Troy saying, I better clear my calendar. That's probably the drop we'll use there. Is there any reason, Ben, that everyone shouldn't have crazy stretch marks from this? <laughs> like like especially Worf, right? Like Worf has grown three sizes too big. Troy has had gills and now does not. Like, they should be scarred to hell, right? Like, you don't just genetically change someone and then change someone back and then, like... Is there something about scarification that can be genetically removed? Well, they do say that... Like, I understand you can't just leave everyone totally fucked. Like, I I understand that practically, but... They do get past the fact that the doctor got her face acided off by saying she's going to need yeah. reconstructive surgery but she'll be fine. So I guess the implication is that everybody will have reconstructive surgery. They will have to schedule 1,012 reconstructive surgeries. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. You better hope you're a senior officer otherwise that wait is going to be long. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're just a some unlucky schmo up in the starboard nacelle with a bunch of stretchy skin hanging off you uh i mean if you are not feeling super confident about your looks w slash r slash t uh acne or otherwise (laughs) uh, i think i think nacelle duty is probably pretty great shift to get yeah you only have the one other person to look at you there and if you if you need to uh end it all there's a there's a plasma (laughs) duct right there i know what i have to do yeah there's a convenient way to go (laughs) did you like this episode ben i love this episode big fan season seven really has some fun episodes it really does seven a season which has gotten a lot of shit before we started has very quietly had really great episodes and really bad ones and I would rather have a season like this than a season that basically is a constant C-plus throughout, you know? Yeah. They really go for it. They really go for it. I love that uh, Gates McFadden directed that directed it. That made it more fun for me to watch. Um, and, uh, yeah, just overall, uh, I thought it was, it, it was an episode that knew why it was going to be fun, you know? I... I am not just happy that Gates got her shot. I'm really thrilled that that she was so bold in her choices. Like, a lot of it's very busy, and a lot of it is very look-at-me style direction, but it is an interesting direction on top of an interesting story, and it makes a really great episode that way. Uh, this sure is a, This feels like it's mountain-worthy to me. It's, it's, it's at least... One of the high points in season seven. I totally agree. Ben, one of the high points in every episode is the reading of Priority One messages. You want to do that? Let us do that. Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. But the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. Ben, our first Priority One message is from Brian. It is for future Brian, and it goes like this. Remember when the show was halfway over and you decided to send yourself a message? Well, here it is. You finally caught up to the point at which you sent the message. I hope life is going well and you still enjoy watching this show. Ben, Adam, you guys are great. Shout out to the referrers, Jake and Sean. And it says, insert Kevin Uxbridge bit here, in parentheses. Brian, you know that you can't just insert an Uxbridge wherever you want. If my presence was something that happened in every episode, 
people would grow <laughs> tired of me, and I would go away forever. Potentially that is what has already happened. Potentially the hosts of this show have lost touch with what is and is not funny. Between you and me, and future you and me, I'm really hoping I get to go along to the Deep Space Nine portion of the program, but I'm really not sure if I'm invited. You ever get invited to a party, and if you don't show up, doesn't really matter. <laughs> I get that a lot. Dowds are not great party guests, even though I have great appetizers that I love to bring to my friends and relatives. Even though with a passing thought I could end everything for all of them, I wind up standing in a corner wondering how to strike up a conversation with anybody trying to come up with conversational premises in my mind and talking them through with myself inside my own head and then by the time I actually bring something up to somebody it just seems so overbaked and they just walk away I could kill billions of people with a single thought and yet I cannot take that first step to cross a crowded room to talk to an attractive older lady that looks Vaguely like Rashawn. Adam, our next priority one message <laughs> is from. I was willing to go as far as possible <laughs> until you ended it. It's from Sarah, and it is for present day Ivan. Oh, another time traveling one. And uh, mm. this says Ivan, his arms wide, Sarah <laughs> at rest. Ivan, his arms open, Sarah at rest. Shaka when the walls fell. Ivan, his face black, eyes red, his heart open. Sarah, her eyes open. Ivan and Sarah at Tanagra. Ivan, Sarah, Orbit, and Gwen on the ocean. Uh, oh, let's see. I have extra characters. Please say Exocomp seven times, or as many times as you can stand. <laughs> Exocomp, 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 exocomp. I think that was seven. Dathan's one of your strongest impressions. <laughs> oh, that's a uh, damning with faint praise, Adam. Uh, yep. Well, Adam, uh, if people want to send Priority One messages of their own, they can go to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron, where personal messages are $100 and commercial messages are $200 and we really appreciate them because they help us to afford to make this show not many episodes left Ben I think almost the entire end of next gen are filled up with ads so if you were thinking of sneaking one in before the end get on it I would be surprised if the end of next gen isn't already sold through by the time this this comes out yeah but uh, no reason not to uh, get jump on the beginning of Deep Space Nine. Yeah, be an early adapter to that train wreck. <laughs> hey, Ben? What's that, Adam? Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Drunk Shimoda! I had such a hard time. This is an episode where my Shimoda cup runneth over. Yeah. I mean, it's... Like, it's Data, it's Barkley, it's Worf, it's Troy, it's Picard, it's Riker. Like, it's uh, it's basically everybody but the Doctor. This episode is so much like the Naked Now, I thought. It really is. It's like, what if the Naked Now wasn't a turd? Right. And, like, for that reason, I'm giving my Shimoda to the entire episode, as Shimoda came from the the Naked Now episode, so too is this episode like a cousin to that. It really is. And it is totally wackadoodle. <laughs> and it's and the episode itself is having so much fun that yeah, I mean, to me the Shimoda is the whole app. Yep. I I feel the same way. I think uh I think we're gonna have to call that a daily double. Yeah, I think so too. Damok. Boy, do I love a microdose gummy from Lumi Labs. I'm uh, I'm running low, so I'm going to head over to microdose.com pretty soon and put in another order. Microdosing is a technique I use to steer my mentals in a preferred direction several times a week. 
And uh, I just love it because you can really predict what is going to happen and to what degree it is going to happen because these are very low-dose cannabis gummies that uh, give you an entry-level dose that help you feel just the right amount of good. And they've been super loyal as sponsors to Greatest Trek and Greatest Gen, so I hope you will give them a try. Get 30% off your first order plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. It's available nationwide. That's microdose.com. Promo code is SCARVES for 30% off and free shipping. Microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. One of the amazing things about making The Greatest Generation is getting to see all of the cool, creative stuff that the Friends of DeSoto make when we do a Code 47 episode. People send in handcrafted stuff all the time, and they send in their books, they send in paintings, they send in uh, crochet work. It's so cool. And uh, I want a few more of you to have websites to direct us to in those letters. I want you to put your beautiful work on display for the world so that when we get to look at it, we can tell people where to go to get a look at it themselves. And you don't have to know anything about building a website to build a website these days because you can use Squarespace. It'll look beautiful no matter what kind of device people are looking at it on. Hell, you can even sell stuff using a Squarespace website. Don't make your cool, creative project captain's eyes only. Head to squarespace.com scarves for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Ben, do we have anything nearly as weird coming up on the next episode? The next episode is Season 7, Episode 20, Journey's End. Picard is forced to relocate American Indians from a planet they have settled, while a colonist causes Wesley to re-examine his future. Do you remember this episode, Adam? In the distance, a pan flute player warms up. (laughs) (laughs) He's got a lot of work to do. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I I remember this as being the, like, goodbye to Wesley. Yep. It is. Um, Yeah, I remember having kind of complicated feelings about the, I mean, like, I have very complicated feelings about the way Voyager deals with its Native American character, and uh, I don't remember if it, this episode is as ham-fisted with that or not, but, uh, yeah, like, uh, <laughs> this is a, a series that doesn't traditionally have a great, a great take on uh, Native American culture, so it should be... At least interesting to review this one. Oh boy! If if uh, exciting. if this episode that we just reviewed is is season seven's naked now, I hope that the next episode is not season seven's code of honor. Just put it that way. Oi! <laughs> oh man, that's quite a lead-in. Well, Adam, uh, 
one way we lead out is by telling people to follow us on Twitter. You're on there as at Cut for Time. I'm on there as at Benjamin R A H R. And uh, you can use the hashtag Greatest Gen to find all the wisecracks and jokes and memes on there. And uh, if you decide that you don't want to be a part of our social media, you don't need to reach out and tell us about it. That's a dick thing to do. It just makes us feel bad for no reason. <laughs> it is a total opt-in thing. <laughs> just leave in silence if you're going to leave. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, what What the actual fuck? Uh, we also have a really wonderful Facebook community, uh, and we have a great Reddit community as well. Those are just, uh, just rays of sunshine on social networking services that are sometimes not. So uh, go check those out. And uh, Yeah, it's a good place to be. We should thank Dark Materia for our theme music and Adam Ragusea rags for our uh, other music I don't know if I don't know if you heard just I'm gonna keep calling him the goose I did listen to uh, <laughs> to his latest episode of the pub where he interviews Jesse Thorne yeah uh, we got I guess you could call it a shout out at the end of that episode <laughs> yeah we basically got put on blast for calling him the goose when also our friend Chris Bowman is the goose I uh, I call him Bowflex because that is a nickname that is associated to his last name, and that's the only kind of nickname I like to give. So maybe if uh, if if Chris Bowman's last name was Gooseinger or something, he could be called the Goose. But because it's not, I'm calling Adam Ragusea the Goose. Man, you it's only right. You and Jesse Thorne should start a who's a better nickname or battle podcast. It'll be like Iron Chef, but for giving out nicknames. The idea that that Jesse and I could co-host a podcast is... <laughs> the idea of that is incredible. <laughs> I would love that so much. I think I would try his patience almost immediately. The poor guy does not need any more migraines. He really doesn't. I am basically a human migraine. <laughs> Well, with that, we'll be back at you next week with another great episode of Star Trek The Next Generation and an episode of The Greatest Generation that is uh, taking some uh, some psychoactive cactuses and uh, going into the sweat lodge, I guess. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.